Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, June 11th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve kept a dovish tone on Wednesday and warned that it would take years for the U.S. to recover from the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. And an FT analysis found that chief executives have been awarded stock options that could well outweigh the value of their temporary pandemic-related salary cuts. Plus, the FT's Brazil bureau chief, Brian Harris, explains how the South American country is handling the economic issues brought on by COVID-19. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. On Wednesday, the OECD said that the pandemic will leave deeper scars than any peacetime recession in the past 100 years. And yesterday, the Federal Reserve came out with its first economic forecasts since December. It predicted a slow recovery for the U.S. that expects the unemployment rate to fall, but would end the year at close to 10 percent. The FT's Colby Smith has more from yesterday's Fed meeting. So they were pretty explicit about a few things. First and foremost was the fact that they are going to keep interest rates close to zero until at least the end of 2022. So they were pretty clear that for the foreseeable future, they're going to be keeping monetary policy quite easy. The second thing is the fact they really see quite an uncertain economic outlook here. They put out these economic projections and they're expecting the U.S. economy to contract by 6.5 percent this year. Unemployment is going to fall uh, to about 9.3 percent. Chair Powell was pretty clear in his press conference on Wednesday that the outlook is very uncertain at this point, just given that people don't really know what the trajectory of the virus is going to be, what's going to happen as economies reopen, and if consumers are going to feel comfortable enough to begin shopping and and going out again. That's going to lead to some big issues in, in forecasting what the recovery is going to look like. Colby, Chair Powell yesterday said that rates will stay low and the Federal Open Market Committee is, quote, committed to using its full range of tools to support the U.S. economy in this challenging time. How come the market didn't react with more enthusiasm? So I think a lot of it is baked in at this point. The Fed has been quite clear for a number of months now, um, really since the height of the turmoil back in March, that it's going to remain quite supportive of not only the economy, but financial markets as well, and um, to ensure that those markets remain fully functioning and trading conditions remain stable. And so the Fed has kind of beat this drum again and again every time some of its officials go out in public or or Chair Powell speaks at these policy meetings. So really, people were looking for any indication that they would shift perhaps to the other direction and and, uh, not be as dovish as perhaps uh, they have been. But Chair Powell uh, really stuck to that same stance that, that the Fed is going to remain accommodative for quite a long period of time here. Brazil is a global hotspot for the coronavirus, with the daily death toll passing that of the U.S. Hospitals and cemeteries in the country are unable to cope. But despite the grim statistics, President Jair Bolsonaro has repeatedly opposed quarantines, lockdowns, and social distancing. And he's encouraged Brazilians to get back to work. Brian Harris, our Brazil bureau chief, unpacks the issues that the country is facing. Brazil is a wonderful country with wonderful people, but... It's facing an unprecedented crisis. In fact, it's facing a compounded crisis, um, three crises to be precise. It has a political crisis in that the president, Jair Bolsonaro, is under investigation for corruption. The Supreme Court is investigating whether he interfered with the autonomy of the federal police. 
there is an economic crisis and that the Brazilian economy is expected to shrink by as much as 10% this year. And finally, there is the health crisis. COVID-19 has hit Brazil extremely hard. There is almost half a million cases. There has been 40,000 deaths so far. So just this week, Brazil surpassed the US in the number of daily deaths. And the situation is, is getting worse and worse, very unfortunately. And, you know, to address some of these issues, back in March, Brazil's central bank launched a huge financial liquidity package equivalent to about 17% of the country's GDP. How effective has this been? Well, the government rolled out a series of programs aimed at getting credit in the hands of companies, but also cash in the hands of people. Now, at the beginning of this process, there were some issues with the rollout. There were big queues outside the banks and people were complaining that they couldn't get this stipend. But since then, it's been streamlined a bit. The main issue now, however, is that $120 is obviously not enough for people to survive. People we've spoken with say it might help pay water or electricity bills, but it doesn't cover rent and it doesn't keep families fed. Vast numbers here in Brazil are without income because they've lost their jobs or or their jobs have shut down. And the longer this goes on, the more difficult it is going to become. Brian, you recently interviewed the central bank governor, Roberto Campos Neto, recently about the country's credit crisis. Here he is. Because companies are facing for the first time in their life a long period out cash cash flow, the demand for credit is huge. What did he tell you about his plans to try and ease the situation for small businesses in particular? The main issue here in Brazil is that the banks are unwilling to lend for fear of default. So 6 million SMEs applied for credit since the pandemic took off back in March, and many only for small amounts, 1 or 2,000 US dollars but less than half of those who applied were actually given funding. So the government is now trying to address this bottleneck. Their plan is to offer the banks that they will guarantee up to 80% of loans with cash from the Brazilian National Development Bank. And the bank said they will play ball if they have those guarantees, but we really need to wait and see. It's a crucial moment in Brazil because if the SMEs can't get credit, we can expect a wave of bankruptcies, job losses, and growing social discontent. And Brian, considering how things are going in Brazil, has Mr. Bolsonaro's popularity taken a hit, or is the president just as popular as he was when he was elected? This is the very curious thing. Despite all the noise, all the scandals, and the increasing number of deaths, Bolsonaro has remained relatively insulated. His approval rating appears to be quite stubborn at around 30% of the population. But what we are seeing is essentially a polarization of politics has transferred over to this pandemic. Bolsonaro's supporters have gathered around him, and in fact, many of them have become increasingly radicalized. Uh, They've called for an ousting of state governors who've enforced lockdowns. They have protested, calling for a military intervention. And they've even driven convoys through cities, blaring their horns in support for President Bolsonaro. Over the past few months, we've seen hundreds of chief executives cut their pay. The idea is that they would share the pain as their companies went through tough times. But if you look a little closer, and our journalists at the FT did, you'll see that if you take into account other company schemes, these pay cuts could be outstripped by other rewards. The FT's Andrew Edgecliff-Johnson explains. Back in March, we actually had a really interesting spate of announcements from companies, starting really with the big airlines and the hoteliers and the companies that were hardest hit and fastest hit by the 
the shutdown. What happened was we had several CEOs come out and say, you know, we're asking our people to make sacrifices. We're furloughing them or we're laying them off or we're closing our stores or whatever it may be. We're going to share in that sacrifice and we're not going to take our salary for a couple of months or till the end of the year. It varied you know, by, by company and by executive. But there was a strong thread running through it all that people wanted to show they were sharing the pain. Whether this was genuine or not, it would have been bad headlines to be taking their usual salaries at a time when other people were really suffering. You know, and while this all seems noble, these cuts, you and our data visualization journalist Fan Fei conducted an analysis that says something a little different. What did you guys find? So yeah, the piece of work that Fan and I did was to dive into the announcements, other announcements companies had made about how much stock they were granting their executives, either in the form of just you know, shares they could trade on day one, or more commonly options or kind of restricted stock units, which are usually time limited. You know, they can't be uh, cashed in for three or four years. And when we looked at that, we found that of the hundreds of executives who had announced they would be taking some sort of a pay cut in this period, dozens of them had also got far more share options or, or shares than in previous years. And so what's happened here, because the market has swung dramatically up since the trough in the middle of March, we've actually seen executives now sitting on enormous gains on some of this stock that they've been granted, which in many cases actually outweigh the cash sacrifices they took. And the context of that really is that these days, the average CEO only makes about 10% of his or her money in a given year from their salary. Most of it actually comes in stock. Have these CEOs gotten any blowback so far, and are there plans to change? So it's a little early to hear from the big investors what they think about this, but I think we have heard from several corporate governance consultancies, academics, and others who are warning and were warning in advance, even back in March, that generous grants of stock at this point could end up end up rebounding on companies and their executives because the politics of being seen to be making an awful lot of money at a time when your workforce is not are going to be very, very difficult. We know from the global financial crisis how the banks were hauled up before Congress and asked to explain the bonuses they'd received. And in the context of a big company, a big bank, it feels totally normal that you have to keep incentivizing your people, your senior executives, to make sure they don't run off and work for somebody else. In the context of a congressional hearing, that's not hard to paint as something more nefarious. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.